0: Please turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter one. While you're turning, and I'm not talking about a childhood toy here, but name a, a sport. We do a little audience participation. Name a sport that uses a swing, not the swing set swing. A sport that uses a swing. Gulp. Cricket. Golf. Cricket. Thank you, Stephen. Golf, <laughs> cricket, tennis, baseball, baseball hockey. soccer, yeah. hockey. All right. What else? Rugby. Softball, rugby, boxing, boxing shooting. shooting. You have a swing? Oh, you got to swing? Yeah, that's true. How about bowling? I know you all watch bowling on TV, don't you? Listen. Listen, everything has value. If you're trying to catch a nap on Sunday, turn on bowling. The uh, The interesting thing about a swing, what is the most important thing in a, for a successful swing? Follow through. Follow through, exactly. If you stop halfway or you stop when you make contact, a successful swing comes... With follow through. And I think as Christians we have a tendency. To say well I've arrived. I've made contact. I've found Christ. And so I'm good. But a successful swing. And a successful journey with Christ. Comes by walking in follow through. With him. Not just stopping in the moment. We have a tendency to do that. When somebody prays and receives Christ. We're like good we got one. And. We're not called to make decisions. We're called to make disciples. And we're to pour ourselves into them. Jesus, I've said this before, Jesus was the only religious leader who wanted less people. He poured himself into 12 men and turned their life upside down and changed them because he spent time with them and equipped and discipled them. And it spread, the gospel spread. Because of how he handled that. And so this morning we're going to be talking about follow through as we move into this next section of Galatians. So we're going to pick up in verse 6 and we're going to read all the way through verse 10. He said, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you, what you received, he is to be accursed. For, I am not, for am I now seeking the favor of men or God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts and we'll see the truth that you are communicating with us through these words. And Father, I ask that our eyes will open, that you'll speak to us about our specific situation. That will understand what your will is. And Father, that our desire and our love for you will cause us to follow. And so Father, thank you so much for what you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, as we look at follow-through, we're going to see desertion, we're going to see deception, and we're going to see desire. We're going to be talking about aspects of follow-through in verse 6, he uses the word desertion. He said, I'm, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him. And so when we think about deserters or traitors, there's some famous guys from history we think about, right? Benedict Arnold is one. He's known as a traitor. There's other guys like John Wilkes Booth, who shot President Lincoln. We even have a more recent one with Bo Bergdahl who deserted and traded on his country. And we see that. We see desertion as betrayal. So he uses a very strong word here. We basically say these people have turned their backs on us when we label somebody that way. And so what he's doing is he's trying to make a point that you have turned your back on what... The Holy Spirit and what Jesus Christ has laid down, what has come in the teaching, he said, you're you're making a decision here that's headed you in the wrong direction. And he said he was amazed at their desertion of him who had called them by grace, which that's really the amazement. And, And I've had these conversations with friends. You know, it's amazing to me that we still sin at all after salvation, isn't it? Once having tasted the grace, understanding what Christ went through on the cross, The fact that he he couldn't even barely tell that he was a man. That he did it willingly. That he became sin for us. And in the middle of all that. We receive forgiveness by putting our faith in him. To go out and do the very thing that caused him to do that. This blows my mind. If you think about it. For most of the time we're thinking about the choice of sin, don't we? That option that... That new lollipop. Right, Carlos? And so we have to be careful that our eyes aren't on the wrong things. And that's what he is beginning to address here. He was amazed at the desertion. See, if we break this down, Paul is addressing four things about his amazement falls into four areas. The quickness of departure, the departure. Now, how many of you have ever seen a uh, two, three hundred year oak tree? Y'all seen them? They're big. They're kind of knobby in the middle. The kids climb them. Sometimes there's tree houses built in them. Um, it takes a crew and cranes and lifts if you're ever going to saw or even trim them. But how many of you have seen um, uh, an oak tree that's about a month old? We usually just mow them over. Right? And The interesting thing here, and what's going on, he says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting. The enemy will try to to eat our young, if you will. Those who are brand new baby Christians who come to faith in Christ, he will try to add or attach things to the gospel to mislead them into things that are not godly. Now, what was going on here? Last week, we talked about the background That there were Judaizers that were following Paul, and they were adding behavior, they were adding the law to grace. They were saying that, yeah, your faith is in Christ, and that's wonderful, but you have to do these things, too, to be right with God. Believe it or not, that is not limited to the ancient world. We faced it ten years ago in this particular community. That this teaching was prevalent. That you have to add, you have to obey all of the law to be right with God. Listen, when Jesus comes in your life and He saves you, He's not going to lead you to violate the law. He's going to lead you to do the things that are in the law. The source is Christ, not our effort to do it. Does that make sense? And so you can talk about and hear people say, "You got to try harder. You got to do this." You no, you don't. You have to walk with Christ and just follow Him. And wherever He leads you, He's going to lead you into those things. And you don't have to worry about whether or not you're being obedient to it. It's a natural outflow of a relationship. And so He's talking to them. He says that you were so quickly removed, that they departed so quickly. And so we have to be careful. Listen, folks. If somebody is a new Christian or if there's somebody that... God has allowed you to be there when, when they came to faith in Christ. We have a responsibility of discipleship. We have a responsibility. We, it was funny. We were down. How many of you have ever heard of First Baptist Jacksonville, Florida? Anybody? We were down there. They held a pastor's conference down there. When I was in school, it wasn't as far as it is from here because I was in Georgia when I was in school. And we went down there, and there's a bunch of pastors sitting in this class. And you know, we all—most pastors are a little smart alecky by nature. And uh, I, maybe I shouldn't say that about most of them. I know at least one who is. And so we were sitting in this class, and the guy asked. He said, "You know, our goal is to reach everybody in the city of Jacksonville. What amount of effort do you think we put into getting people saved?" And, you know, we're sitting there. We're going, is this a trick question? You know, we're always looking for the angle. And, uh, you know, I had an answer in my mind. I was playing middle of the road. I was going 50-50. And uh, he said we put 5%. Like 5%. He said we put 95% on discipleship. Because it doesn't do any good to get a decision. If we're not there when they're young, babies left alone will not survive. Now, the Holy Spirit will take them, but they need support. They need love. That's what's happening here. As these people came in, they tried to make it. They they gave the same lie that was given in the garden, that there was something they could do to be more godly. Because that's what Eve was told. Well, in the day you eat of it, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So, wow, who wouldn't want to be like God? Well, she was already like God. She believed the lie that she wasn't. And so he lied to her about who she was. To cause her to act in a certain way. And that's what the enemy does. He lies to you about who you are. To get you to behave in a certain way. And so the Judaizers fell right into that. And they bought into it. And it comes across as religious piety. But it but it's unbiblical. Because the truth matters. Amen? I mean, it absolutely matters. Jesus said you must worship in what? Spirit and truth. And so... And <laughs> We have a tendency to lean one way or the other, don't we? But it's both. We have to do both. And so he talked about the quickness of the departure. He talked about the fact that he was amazed if they were departing at all. How "How could you leave if you truly experienced the grace of Christ? And see, the thing is, that with deception, they didn't think they were leaving. They thought they were drawing in. They thought they were drawing close. Have you ever tried to serve the Lord or tried to do something for the Lord that just seemed to frustrate you in your Christian walk? Anybody ever been there? You've been frustrated in your journey? Welcome to the crowd. We've all done that. Trying harder. If trying harder was the answer, it would work, right? Truth works every time. Gravity works every time. I promise you, if I miss this step, I'm going to go face plant on this carpet. Some of you are picturing that right now. Some of you have been praying for a while. That I would not fall. (laughs) Terry, she thought I was going to say I would fall. It works every time. Truth always works. That's why we have to worship in spirit of truth. And so he's addressing them. He's talking about that they departed at all. Why would you even depart except for deception? And that's what was going on. He's... Amazed that they were leaving the gospel. See, to leave the gospel, they have to hold something else in higher regard than the grace of Christ. The only reason you leave something, you know, I had a friend, and this guy, we worked in a sales office at the time, and this guy, would they would mix up everybody's accounts and give them, and no matter what they did, he was always number one. And I finally cornered him one day, and I said, how do you do it? You know, because I mean, if he's got he got some formula he's working. He and he was selling uh, advertising in yellow pages, which you yeah. know. Does anybody use yellow pages anymore for the purpose it's it printed? <laughs> he said, when I go out and talk to people, he said I make them, I show them that what I have to offer them is more valuable than their money. And if. If what I have is more valuable, they'll give me their money all day long. That's what was going on here. They were selling a product to these new Christians they believed was more valuable than where they were. And so they were going. And so they're like, yeah, let's do that, yeah. You know, that's just more. That's just more of Christ. That's just more of following. It's, Listen. It's, it, it's simple. It's a relationship. And how many of you ever heard it's, it's about a relationship? But then why do we explore what we should do instead of the relationship? Do you ever wonder that? Why don't we find out what causes excitement and joy in the Lord? Can any of you share that with me this morning? Right? I'm with you. I would need to go study that. But if I would say, "What are some things we should do?" We should we could start lining that up. We should pray. We should read about. We got all that down. But do we even know where how's heart beats? See, we're missing it, folks. We're falling into the same thing that the Galatians fell into as behavioral Christianity instead of relationship Christianity. What's God's passions? Where does what makes His heart beat? Why did He even save you? other than love which is a big one to leave the gospel listen I, this is one thing I don't, this is one thing I've learned from Stephen Stephen said this to me a long time ago and I've watched it and it makes a lot of sense Anytime somebody makes... You ever see people make decisions and you go, what were they thinking? You ever been there? People make decisions, speaking of Stephen. <laughs> I was telling them, Stephen, that i uh, would learned from you that people make decisions that are in their best... They make the best decision they can in each moment. But yet we will look at it and go, what's, what's going on? And so... Perspective matters. And when people make decisions, you have to know that they're doing what they think that they see is best. And the question is, why do they see that as best here? And it's because there was deception going on. And we have to be careful. Listen, <laughs> there is nothing more important in this life than knowing Jesus Christ and taking each step he wants you to take And not taking a step he doesn't want you to take. And being in that intimacy with him where you hear his voice, he said, My sheep know my voice, yet if you ask sheep today, they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've never heard the voice of God. I would I tell you what, I'm gonna tell you you have heard it. I'm gonna tell you you have heard it. And here's the deal. When you, heard, when you heard it, did you obey it or did you not obey it? That's where in the problem lies, folks. Because if I'm unwilling to do what he asked me, why would he keep talking to me? Well, it was really uncomfortable. And some of you remember the moment even as we're talking. But it was really uncomfortable. You know what? And this is funny. This is coming back to our lessons. God is not called... To make our life comfortable. He's called us to be a part of the plan. He has for this world. And to see him. Lifted up. It's not about us. None of this is about us. There was one thing that was about us in history. And that was the cross. And you can probably make an argument. For a second thing to the creation itself. He created that all for us. And so, he was shocked that they were departing at all. And well, listen, the gospel, <laughs> they were leaving because they thought they had found something better. And they, they didn't say, well, this is better than that. They're just like, oh, well, this is this plus this, so it must be better. Adding stuff to the gospel, or adding stuff to God's word, adding layers of... behavior only separates. It doesn't unify. And that was Jesus' prayer. And everybody talks about the Lord's prayer as our Father which art in heaven. But that was the model prayer. The Lord's prayer is in John 17 where Jesus is actually praying. When he says, I pray that they may be one even as you, Father, and I are one that they may be in, in me and us. And imagine the communication the Father and Jesus had. That's the relationship he prayed that you would have with him. Why would we trade that off? How cool would that be if that were true? It is true. But I think we trade it off. The last thing that he was shocked about is that their hope was in a different gospel. Listen, (laughs) don't fall for the packaging. There's a lot of pretty stuff out there today. A lot of flash, a lot of show, a lot of grandiose things. You know, we've replaced the awe of God with an awe of technology. We call it God. You know, if I could descend on a wire with smoke and all of that, we'd be like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Except for me, I'd be like, <coughs> you know... <laughs> But we have all these things, and we look to that instead of to the moment when the God who created this whole universe speaks to you and me. That should create awe in your life. Mm -hmm. The fact that he loves you that much, that he would talk to you and share and invite you to be a part of his plan. It's for you. Does he need us to accomplish anything? No. What does God need? Even, Even David knew that. David didn't even have a copy of the Bible like we do. Isn't that crazy? We have a copy of it and we still go, well, I, don't know. I don't know. They didn't. And they, they, their faith was strong, solid. They didn't even have the internet. <laughs> they couldn't Google it. Be careful. Just because you read it on the internet, don't make it true, folks. And so desertion. He said, I'm so, I'm shocked, I'm surprised, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserted Him who called you by the grace of Christ. Remember we talked about grace too back in our exchange life. Y'all remember, remember the difference between mercy and grace? Cop pulls me over because he thinks I was speeding. (laughs) Um, And and he says, I'm not going to write you a ticket. That's mercy. And he said, I'm going to give you $100. That's grace. Mercy is not getting what I deserve. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. So just, whenever you want to understand those two, think about me speeding down the road. All right. That's desertion. Now we're going to, now we so don't walk away from Christ. Don't be deceived. So we go to deception. That's what's going on. What's happening is what Paul is addressing here. People were disturbing them about their relationship with Christ. They're beginning to question the faith into which they had come into. And people were changing the gospel of Christ and calling it truth. False piety. It's, it's rampant in society today. It's rampant in the church today. Try harder. We're gonna have I remember I grew up in the in the days of revivals. We gotta have a revival. Let me tell you something. If Jesus lives in your heart, you got all the life you need. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should have a revival. <laughs> you know, we ought to be the most passionate, excited people that you can't ignore because we're in love. You ever seen people in love? It's sickening. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. You can tell. <laughs> no. Do not turn around and look at Don and <laughs> <laughs> but But it's obvious You know what's going on. I wonder if we've lost our love. I wonder if we're not Laodicea. You know what's really interesting about Laodicea? uh, To give you a little history. I mean maybe you guys don't wonder things like I do. But you know when I read. Everybody heard of the church of Laodicea? He said I would wish you that you were hot or cold. Because you're lukewarm. I spit you out of my mouth. And I thought. And we all go, yeah. But have you ever wondered why you wish they were cold? Has anybody ever wondered that beside me? (laughs) Why would God want them to be cold? Why wouldn't he say, I wish you were hot on fire? A little bit of history. A little bit of uh, geography answers the question. Laodicea was situated between two springs one was a hot spring and one was a cold spring the hot spring was known you could go soak in it and as long as it was hot because it would travel a good distance as long as it was still hot it was uh, healing for the body there was there was medical benefits but there was also a cold spring and if the cold water got warm, you really didn't want to drink it because it kind of gets... But when it was cold, it was refreshing. What he's saying is, these two things, hot or cold, I wish you were useful. Be useful. Because cold is good sometimes. Help work out with me in the afternoon and outside. Cold is good. <laughs> and sometimes hot is good. Getting that, how many of you like a cold shower? Anybody? yeah Yeah, that's Dwayne because his trailer is 116 with the exception of (laughs) Dwayne most of us don't like cold showers Dwayne and my new friend Joshua he likes cold showers too but he travels overseas so I bet you get a lot of cold showers yeah Good to see you guys. And so he was talking about being useful. And so, and that's why we don't fall into deception. Listen, people were changing the gospel and calling it truth. Don't fall for the idea of works being added to God's word to generate godliness. What you do does not make you any more godly. You... Jesus said, I've given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. Did he not say that? Mm -hmm. Did he not say you're a brand new creation in Christ? Mm -hmm. Didn't he say all your sins are forgiven? Mm -hmm. The problem is, is our mind has not been renewed yet. That's Romans 12, folks. (laughs) The washing and the renewing of the mind. Our mind tells us that, well, we're just a sinner saved by grace. Like the old song says. Let me tell you something. That song lied to you. I'm sorry. If you love that song, I'm sorry. But it lied to you. You're not just a sinner. Saved by grace. The Bible doesn't ever call those who have been saved sinners ever again. It calls them saints. It calls them joint heirs with Christ. It it calls them part of the family of God. Because if that's all I am, then I may as well just continue sinning. Because that's what I am. I have a nature change. That's why we believe in the exchange life. You're not left. Jesus said, a fountain that gives forth bitter and sweet water can't exist. He doesn't leave the old dead man in us. We get a brand new life. But we have a mind that's not been renewed yet. That will tell you, well, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Listen, you know what? I don't got to do it, but I get to. I get to remark. I get to spend time and let God speak to me. I get to talk back with Him. I get to see by His grace what's going on around me. I get the opportunity to participate. We've lost that. We lose that as we get, well, we're just mature Christians now. Let me tell you, the maturest Christians that I've ever met are deeper in love with Jesus Christ than when they started How do you get over the cross? I mean, I've heard people say, yeah, well, you know, I know about the cross. How could you even talk about it like that if you understand it? If you understand what it meant? How could God become sin? It wasn't just laid on him. We heard that, well, the sin of the world was laid on Christ. It's not what it says. It says he became it and therefore was punished. That's how we, being unrighteous, have the opportunity to become righteous. Because if God can do the impossible with His Son, He can do the impossible with us. Isn't that good news? And so be careful. Does God want us to work for Him? Yes. As He leads as he says, speak to this person today. Talk to them. Cry with them. Rejoice with them. Share your faith. How many of you have ever overheard a conversation? Not intentionally, but just somebody was talking and they said something. And you knew that that phrase was something that either you had been praying about or you knew that God had meant it for you. Anybody beside me? Right? So we don't know, folks. It's not an intentional thing. Well, I'm going to go turn the world over for Christ. You know. Listen, I'm going to fall deeper in love with Christ so the world has something that they want. Because they're, they're without hope. They have no hope. There's no hope for them outside of Him. Because Jesus doesn't give hope. He is our hope. And so the gospel they were preaching was contrary to the gospel of Christ. We have to discern as Christians what people are actually saying. We have to know what the truth is. How many of you ever looked for a verse in the Bible and would have sworn it was in the Bible but couldn't find it? (laughs) How many how many of you have ever uh, godliness is next to cleanliness? Right? We should make a list and do that one Sunday. I think that's in Hesitations 3. <laughs> that's terrible. <clears throat> Listen, folks, <laughs> the gospel does not change. The gospel is found in 1 Corinthians. Said this is the gospel. That Jesus died, that he was buried, and three days later he rose from the from the grave. Amen. That's the gospel. When you tell people about Christ, tell them, you hear me say it every Sunday. Because that's the power of God and the salvation. The Bible says it. And so, the true gospel doesn't change. And Paul says, listen, he says, anybody, Paul, other people, even angels from heaven, Who preach another gospel are to be accursed. Pretty strong. Accursed. That's pretty tough. But here's the deal. If you look anywhere but Christ, you're already accursed. Because there ain't no hope. That's what lays upon us because of our sin. And so he's not putting anything on them that's not already there. The gospel doesn't change and it doesn't matter who says what. I'm going to go out on a limb. If Billy Graham resurrected from the dead and came and said there's another gospel, we're going to reject him. I know that's hallowed ground. I know I crossed it. That's what he said. That's what he's saying. Jesus died, was buried, and the third day rose from the grave. That's the gospel. I think it's, 1 Corinthians, it's either 1 Corinthians 4 or 1 Corinthians 15. It's in that first part of the chapter. So, there is no hope outside of Christ. But let's talk about desire for a minute. Verse 10. He talks about his desire. See, our desires, ladies and gentlemen, drive our behavior, right? Don't they? What we want drives what we do. And Paul asks this question. He says, am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? And I think that's a question we have to ask ourselves. See, the Judaizers... We're trying to please the religious leaders. And Paul was saying, hey, you're listening to people that are being driven by other people instead of one who's being driven by God. You need to be careful. But I think that's a question for us too. Are we seeking the favor of men or of God? See, the answer to that question will determine our susceptibility to deception. If I'm more worried about pleasing men that I am God, then I'm going to be more easily deceived. And he is not going to be directing the steps of my life. My desire to be accepted by man will. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one. How many of you have ever been quiet because you knew that that moment, if you said something for Christ, even though you felt the urge to, would not be accepted. I'm just going to raise my hand. I've done it. I've even done it at times when that wasn't. I'm just telling you the truth. But you're a pastor, it don't matter what I am. I don't mean anything. This is a genuine walk, ladies and gentlemen. That's the reality. And it's got to be genuine. Otherwise, what are we doing? If you want to watch something fake ever in a movie the journey with Christ is not always clean but the truth is that there's always hope when we're doing it and we're trusting him there's no separation if our desire is to please men that will lead us And we will not be serving Christ. We're going to be thinking about them. We're going to be thinking about other people. Instead of him. And I'll tell you this. I would rather. Have them upset with me now. Because I told them the truth. Than stand at the great white throne. And say why didn't you tell me. Why didn't you tell me. Why don't you tell people? You know, there's people you know that are lost, isn't there? How come you haven't talked to them? What's driving that decision? Is it fear of losing the relationship? What's driving it? I mean, let's get to the real stuff. You want to play church? I can recommend a church for you. It won't be this one. I want the real deal. I want to walk with Christ. And he confronts me on, this is the stuff that I deal with. (laughs) Welcome. Why haven't you told them, Mark? Why haven't you taken a stand? Why haven't you shared that? What are you afraid of? Well, you don't understand. They're hostile and they, you know, uh, you don't know what God's been doing. How many of you uh, feel like God has led you or showed you something in God, in his word or spoken to you about your relationship with him ever, at least once in your life. So God can speak to people, including them. How many of you have ever had God speak to you and you kept it to yourself and didn't share it immediately? I did for five years. About church planting. Until somebody asked me openly, I was like, oh no, now I've got to say it out loud. Right? You ever been there? I gotta say it out loud. And here we are. Why are we why are we hesitant? Be careful that people don't drive you. <clears throat> Listen, what do you really desire? What do you desire? <laughs> what do you really want? Where are you now? And what desire has led you where you are now? So we find out. So how's our follow through? Well, let's look and see. Where are you in your journey with Christ? Is it exciting? Is it where you hope you would be? are you going backward? Where are you in your journey? Well, you know, I wish this was different. I wish this, and I feel like God's leading me to that. And, and But I don't have the resources for that. You ever say that? <laughs> God, you want me, to, I don't know what to say. Really? Really. If you've been saved, you absolutely know what to say. And if your mind is blank, then it allows God to write on your heart. I've told you the story before. I've shared the Romans road backwards, and this person got saved. And you know what I said? I was like, "Well, only God could have saved him, that way." Isn't
1: that terrible? Shouldn't
0: I say that every time? But that's what we do. We kind of we don't want to admit it, but we take credit when it's undeserved. Who saves people? God does, not me. If I if I've saved you, you're lost. I didn't die for you. Only he can save people. He can say, I mean, you can say, <laughs> you can yell at somebody on the street like Terry was yelled at and God used it. I don't encourage that kind of witnessing. I mean, they were literally shouting. But when he was gone, the words remained. it interesting To meet him one day to find out who God used That'd be kind of cool And so where are you at In your journey with Christ How did you get there How did you get where you are Has there been some deception In your life You ever been deceived You know I'm convinced That there's probably things That I think I understand That I don't understand yet but I'm willing to say that. And I'm willing to let God write the truth in my heart. And that's the fun about study. When you see, you go, I've never seen that before. Like when we, when we, were, we did a series back, and if you... Uh, it would be a fun if you want to go back. We uh, did a series on the Holy Spirit. You know, we see the Holy Spirit's work. We talk about it in Christianity and in salvation today. But you realize he was doing the exact same things in the Old Testament. I didn't know that. I thought he would kind of come on people and they would make something for the tabernacle. Right? Isn't that kind of what we learned? But he was convicting them of sin. They talk about it. He was leading them to Christ. How did Abraham know? How did Abraham see Christ's day and was glad? How could he have done that? God led him. The Holy Spirit spoke to him. He met Christ. We know that. At the burning bush. Well, that was, I'm sorry, that was... uh, moses so christ was appearing back then those are called christophanies that's a big term that gives you confidence that your pastor went to seminary that's all that's for it just means a pre-incarnate appearance of christ i think the bible is meant to be simple i don't think it's meant to be difficult so, how did you get there? Where do you want to be? Woo, hey, here we go. This is the fun part. Let's take all the restrictions off. Let's say you had all the money you ever wanted, ever needed. Get all the time. There was no time restrictions anymore. We know God can even stop time. We've seen that in the Bible. No time, no money restrictions, no responsibility restrictions. What would you do for the Lord? I see your minds all all the minds. I saw it because a bunch of dust came out terrible but you know as kids we dream right one day i want to fly on a rocket ship and i'm going to make it out of a a refrigerator box and they they dream when we get older we dream less and we do that with god and god wants things out of you know when moses speaking of moses (laughs) you know when moses was called (laughs) he was 80 years old So there's still time I don't think anybody in here is 80 yet we feel 80 but we're not 80 so you have time folks if you're breathing you have time if all I could serve God was for a year of my life why don't we just do that why do we limit him stop limiting what God can do Stop saying, well, not them. They can't be reached. When you're feeling an an urgency to go, say, Lord, you can reach anybody. You can change anybody's heart. They are not unreachable. And you might be calling me to be a part of it or or just a seed planter. I'm going to go anyway. If I lose the relationship, at least I've accomplished the reason we had the relationship. Right? Right? We need to see this from God's perspective instead of our own, of trying to keep our life together. Let him hold it together. Let it fall apart because you've been obedient. I would rather everything I've built fall apart because of my obedience to Christ than the other way around. Because what have we built then? so are you where you want to be? Boy, I love dreaming. I knew a family that they knew they were called to start a retreat. And every time that I would speak, we would end up talking about this retreat later on. And they never did it. He's passed on now. He's gone to be with the Lord. They were Christians. But we can miss our opportunities too. Don't miss them. Live your life. Be spent and used up. Die broke. That's our goal. I told Terry that. She looked at me funny. No, she didn't. She always looks at me funny. (laughs) Die broke. Sorry, kids. (laughs) Shh. Die broke. Use it all for the glory of Jesus Christ. Except for you, Dad. <laughs> That's Lord. Die broke. Use it for his glory. I'll tell you what, I'd celebrate that. I'd rather get nothing and know that you lived your whole life for the Lord Christ. Absolutely. That has, that has more value to me than any dollar I could ever give. And so, where do you want to be? Are you willing to do what it takes to get where you want to be? I'll tell you what it is. It's obedience. Mm -hmm. It's obedience, folks. And we think of obedience in these negative terms because it's always, that word is always used when somebody's trying to force us to do something. But just obey. Obedience is meant to be a joy. It's a safe place. Within obedience, there's no punishment. Within obedience, there's no repercussions. It's just a simple joy. But I'm an independent and I'm a fighter. We're called to surrender our lives to Christ, willingly. You know, there was a a man who wrote this story. And growing up in his parents' I'm sure you can't understand this, but they couldn't get him to eat his vegetables for anything. Any parents ever fought that fight with their kids? They won't eat their vegetables. And after a while, it's just like, why am I beating my head against the wall? Right, parents? And all the parents said, well, this guy grows up, and he meets this girl named Linda. This is, from what I understand, a true story. And they go to her, her parents' house, and he's putting his plate, and he passed by. And she said, aren't you going to have any vegetables? He's like, oh, yeah. He gets them, he eats them. And then they, you know, the relationship's developing. They all go to one of those buffet places, which for me is a waste of money. I can't I can eat $13 worth of food in one sitting. But that's just me. I know that that's, appearances can be deceiving, <laughs> and so they're all there together. And his new girl leans over, Linda leans over and says, "Aren't you gonna have some broccoli?" And bam, puts it right on his plate. And his mom looks at it, looks at it, uh, her husband, and she grabs his arm hard. And he's like, Mom, what's wrong? He's like, I've never seen you eat your vegetables before. I knew you were in love. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's the way it ought to be with Christ. Well, I don't want to do that. But if I'm in love, I'm absolutely going to do that. I'm absolutely going to participate. I'm absolutely going to be there. His love caused him to give his life. And if we're going to follow through, our love for him is going to be the thing that makes us follow through. And that's where the joy comes from. The joy doesn't come from just saying, yeah, I did it. The joy is, I'm in love with him. Doing it's not even a deal. Right? That's the way it should be. I want to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.